Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. This is Taylor and KJ and Jessica. And today we're going to be talking about anxious attachment. So the last episode that we just did was on secure attachment. And today we're going to tackle anxious attachment and what that looks like in everybody. So the tagline for anxious attachment If secure attachment is, I'm okay, you're okay, then anxious attachment is, you're okay, I'm not okay. So an anxious person will be having a large reaction in their body, in their mind, and then they will be kind of creating drama in a way of pulling in their attachment figure to get them to connect with them. So those anxious people are needing reassurance, regular input of I'm good enough, you love me, you're not going to leave me. They really have that fear that people are going to leave them at any time. And this can obviously grow out of either having anxiety and just feeling very worried about the world in general. And it can also grow out of trauma of having had a lot of people leave you maybe during a formative time or in a very important relationship. And so you learn that belief of people leave. People will always leave me. And when you have that happen to you, you kind of swing one of two ways, which is I will never rely on anyone ever again, which is avoidant attachment. But in this episode, we're talking about people who kind of swing towards, I'm going to cling so hard that you cannot leave me. And I will be anxious every moment that you will leave at any time. So I'll be constantly seeking that reassurance that you're not going to leave me. And I am good enough for you, but I really don't believe it deep down. Mm-hmm. It's that needy partner. It's that label, right? Like when somebody's needy or clingy, those are the buzzwords that we hear when people are describing people with anxious tendencies. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of like judgment. I think that we like to place on people of like, oh, they're so clingy. But really what they're saying is, I just want reassurance that you're going to be here for me. And that is something that everyone wants in a relationship. It's just that when you're in a secure relationship, if you say, oh, I want reassurance that you're going to be here for me, it's really easy to look around in the relationship and be like, oh, here's all my proof, you know? Mm -hmm. But for Mm -hmm. someone who is anxious, their system is wired to say, here's all my evidence that's still not good enough. And so it becomes hard for someone who's in the relationship with that person, but it comes from a very genuine place and a place that they just want to know you're going to be there for them. And so having a lot of compassion for someone who is anxious or for yourself, if you're anxious and saying, it's okay that I need a little bit of extra reassurance, but I'm going to work over time to trust that person's actions. Or when they say, I do love you to trust that and not need it 10 times a day, but only need it, you know, once a day or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think this is 
quite a common attachment style in the dating world. I think it's pretty easy. Yeah, the the dating world is full of avoidance first, anxious second, and then secure last. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some people have a combination of things going on. Um, but the anxious style definitely kind of describes that person who is very nervous about rejection, who is worried when you're not with them, like, what is he or she doing? Who are they with? What's going on? Why aren't they calling? Why isn't he responding to my text in a timely five-minute fashion? (laughs) And they have a really hard time kind of not making things about them in the relationship, like Mm -hmm. not always kind of looking to that other person to give them a lot of those words of affirmation and that constant reassurance. Mm-hmm. And what that could look like is when there's a conflict, the anxious partner might be like, what did I do? How did I affect this? How? What did I do to make you so mad? And maybe in that conflict, the person's like, nothing. I just had a hard day. Like you didn't do anything. So that can be that anxious person being like, oh, this has to be about me. This has to come from me and I need to figure it out right now. Yeah, and that sparked a a thought in me about a past relationship I had where I leaned more towards the anxious as far as always seeking forgiveness for things that I didn't necessarily do wrong or that there was nothing wrong, but it was like I was always kind of leaning into that apologizing and wanting to fix these problems that were just kind of all fabricated in my mind. Mm -hmm. So I think that can be a cue too, that maybe you're leaning more towards the anxious side of insecure Mm -hmm. attachment. So how do we heal this? I think boundaries are a really, really good thing. Um, For me in my marriage, I definitely had anxious tendencies and I still have anxious tendencies that I work with and that I monitor and everything. But in the way that I've kind of worked towards security is boundaries with my partner. So what that looks like is um, a lot of the times I need verbal reassurance, like, oh, you love me. Like hearing that, oh, I love you. I'm like, oh, he loves me. And I remember in the very beginning of our marriage, probably the first year, I'd ask him a lot, be like, do you love me? Do you love me? And you'll hear that a lot from anxious uh, people. And I remember at one point he said, I married you. Of course I love you. <laughs> I, was like, I wouldn't have married you. you if I didn't love you. Exactly. But do you? Do you really? Yes. And that's what we're talking about. The secure, that's mm-hmm. plenty of evidence. Oh, plenty. You're oh, you, you know, committed to me forever. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's <laughs> meaningless. Forever could end yeah. at any moment. Exactly. So yeah, that boundary that I'm talking about would look something like I'd say to myself, okay, like maybe, oh, and I'd have a conversation with him, you know, like this is the boundary that I'm trying so that I can, you know, lean more on that secure evidence that we give to each other all day. But maybe my boundary will be like, I'm not going to like, I can ask you once a day or something. Do you love me? And then you can respond. And then it's like, okay, yeah. Like I was able to ask for that. He responded. And then through time, over the years, I don't have to do that anymore because I've moved more towards a secure way through those 
boundaries and setting goals for myself that I can rely on that evidence. And now all of that evidence, all those years are under my belt of like, yes, we love each other. And he loves me because of this, this, and this. I think something else that people who have an anxious attachment can do to heal it is to recognize when you're using drama to pull out a reaction from your partner. That's going to be something that someone who is anxious does fairly regularly to get attention and to get them to reassure them, you know, that kind of a thing. So if we're going to use a wonderful example from my favorite TV show, Married at First Sight, (laughs) there's this couple and the girl says something like, uh, so the expert is like, hey, you guys can't keep threatening divorce. And she's like, well, we threatened divorce so that so that he'll reassure me that we're going to stay married, right? And so that is a very anxious way of stirring up some drama in a way of seeking reassurance and getting that person to pay attention and engage in the relationship. And it's a very unhealthy way of meeting your needs, but it comes from a very genuine place of you have a true need that needs to be met. And so if you find yourself like, oh my gosh, I am kind of stirring up drama, whether that's just like picking at them until they pay attention to you or trying to pull out intense emotions or uh, complaining over and over again about the same small thing, you know, Mm -hmm. Creating that drama, say, okay, what is the true need that I'm trying to meet here? Oh, I'm noticing that, you know, I'm doing something that my husband hates because I want him to pay attention to me right now. My true need is I'm feeling lonely. So if I just say to him, hey, I'm feeling kind of lonely right now. Why don't we do X, Y, and Z? Then I can circumnavigate that need for drama and slowly over time, let go of that need. And so really taking a moment, being willing to dig deep into those vulnerable needs and share those vulnerable needs with your partner without having to do the drama cycle with it. It's going to be a great way to heal that anxious attachment. And to piggyback off of those two things, so boundaries and looking at how are you creating drama or not, is having effective communication. Because you need to work on that in order to express a boundary in a healthy way and to really make sure that your authentic self is coming through and how you interact with your partner. Because it is 100% okay to have needs in a relationship, Mm -hmm. but how you go about meeting them, kind of what Jessica was just talking about, is the key. So being able to kind of have those heart-to-heart moments or like those conversations where you can really establish like, hey, this is what helps me feel connected to you and this is what causes me to feel disconnected. I think that can be very key and that I think is what we see all the time in marriage counseling. It's really you have that marriage counselor there to help you and your partner have those conversations. So asking you guys, what do you think that would look like? You know, if someone has an anxious style, how can they go to their partner and kind of start having this conversation about that? I think it's just verbally having that brainstorm session. So what that could look like is sitting down and being like, I've noticed that, you know, we've been having kind of a hard time connecting lately. 
I've, I've noticed that I've been like creating these big conflicts that we've been trying to work through. And I'm really trying to figure out what's behind that. So do you think that you could help me explore that? You know, so then sitting down with them and that person could be like, yeah, I would love to not have these big, you know, emotional conflicts with you anymore. So, okay, like, let's figure out what that looks like. So for example, let's say my husband comes home and he was at work all day and he never texted me. And so I immediately kind of start nitpicking at things that he hasn't done around the house. And he, you know, so I'm like, oh, welcome home. I guess it's time to do the dishes then, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, or are you going to need to take a break first? Or, you know, just some sarcastic comments, kind of picking at him. And really, I'm just feeling very anxious in my body. I'm feeling angry because I had no communication from my partner all day. Mm-hmm. So then we sit down in a marriage therapy-esque situation, right? Because I'm realizing that I'm doing this cycle every day. Mm -hmm. So then I could sit down and tailor what would that look like? Yeah. So the first thing is engaging the other partner. So what that looks like, it's very, it's a good idea to kind of frame it in a way where it's like, hey, we can both get something out of this. You can sit down, you can say, you know, like I've noticed that like every day when you come home, I'm kind of like attacking you and that doesn't feel good. And we're not connected at the end of the day. And I'd really like to talk about that so that we can have a better interaction when you come home. So that's engaging the person that's saying like, Hey, let's talk about this. Cause now we can both, we can make these experiences better for both of us and less hurtful. So you bring the person in that way and they're like, yeah, that sounds really good. And then you say, okay, I just really need to figure out where this is coming from. Can you explore this with me? Sure. Yeah. I'll explore that with you. Okay. So I'm getting really like nitpicky at you and I, I don't really know why, but I know that I'm kind of mad at you. And it's like, okay, like, why do you think that you're mad at me? What happened during the day? Okay. Well, during the day I, I texted you like five times in a row to see when you were coming home and you never texted back. You just showed up at the house. Okay. Oh no. How does that make you feel? That made me feel really rejected. And that made me feel like your job was a lot more important than I am and that you just don't care about me. You just kind of show up here. Okay. Now, what would you need me to do? What would a solution to that be like so that you don't feel rejected, neglected, and ignored? Okay. And if he's like, I can't text you all day. Like I can't, I have my work. I can't be on my phone. I'll get in trouble. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, maybe do you get any breaks? Yeah. I get a lunch break at 12, you know, and then I get done right before I come home. Okay. Maybe what that can look like is, could you just shoot me a text every day during your lunch break and just engage me in a short conversation just to see how I'm doing? Yeah, that would be good. And then it would really mean a lot to me if you could text me right when you're done with work and let me know when you'll be home so that I know when to expect you. Yes, I can do that as well. Why don't we kind of try this out this week and maybe at the end of the week we can sit down again and have another conversation and see how that worked for us. Okay. And then we'll see if this, the root of this, will then take care of those symptoms that we were experiencing, which is the conflict at home and the nitpicking and the anger at the end of the day. And if you're noticing that it's not getting better, even after you set this boundary of like, here's what I need, that's when you can dig even deeper to, okay, he's obviously not understanding why you need that text message Mm -hmm. and you have a differing opinion. So that's when you can really dig into 
here's my vulnerable past and why it's so important to me that you check in, you know? And so the idea is that hopefully a lot of times we can just shift our behavior and it calms down that attachment system and we move towards security and then we can, you know, take a deep breath in the relationship and feel a lot safer. Sometimes we have to dig a lot deeper. Sometimes we just shift a behavior and that's really, it's going to be individual in your relationship, figuring out what to do there. But remembering that that anxious attachment is going to lie to you a lot. It's similar to anxiety in that it lies to you a lot. And you'll have a huge reaction to something that's very small. And so having a spouse who doesn't text you while they're at work is not that big of a deal. But your attachment system is going to say it's huge. And that's where you work together to calm down the attachment system. But throughout the day, if you get that text at noon, And then, you know, you have four hours until they come home and you're just kind of stewing and your system is becoming more and more upset. That's when you can really work on calming yourself down and reminding yourself that this is the boundary we set. He is doing what he said he would do. I'm okay. And then if he doesn't send that text at noon one day, instead of immediately jumping to the worst case, bring it up when he comes home. Hey, you forgot to send me a text at noon instead of again, reverting back to that nitpicking, angry cycle. Yeah. I really like what you just said, because I do think it's a big mindset shift because you have to allow yourself to give meaning to those moments where your partner is building trust with you. Because I think when you are anxiously attached, you are looking for ways to continue that dialogue in that narrative for you because often this style comes from a breach in trust whether it was in a past relationship a relationship with a parent your current relationship and so a lot of times that anxiety will prey on your mind of looking for those moments where oh this is just like he always is This is that person who doesn't care about my feelings. I'm feeling rejection. Or you can check yourself and be like, wait, we had that conversation about, you know, how he's busy at work and he can't text me all day, but he did send me a text. Like he did make the effort. And that is an emotionally correcting experience. And I have to allow myself to feel that building of trust back. Yeah. Yeah. And I really love, I, it's really important to set boundaries that we talked about, but I really like what Jessica and KJ just said was that it's all about going to the deeper issue, especially if you need to. And in marriage therapy, I will have to say when a couple is digging deep together and really understanding each other, like, okay, you feel rejected and you feel lonely and you feel ignored when I don't call you. Where's that coming from? That's really coming from a really tender spot in my history. And I'd really like to share that with you, but I'm feeling kind of nervous. So I need you to be careful with me. So watching those two people go to that place together in a place of true vulnerability and care and safety is it's the beautiful sacred nature of that relationship. And that's where you see the really, really powerful moments for a couple when they go there willingly together and they, they're just 
very careful with each other. And then when you come back out, it's a lot easier to implement those boundaries because you've been there together. You've seen her when she's been exploring that place and how hard it was for her. And so when you send that text message at lunch, it's way more than a text message. It's a message that you're sending to her about how much you care for her and love her and respect her history. So I do think that that's a great point. Boundaries are really good, but you have to have a motive for making a boundary or else you will not keep it. So making sure that both people have motive there is really important. Okay, so our quick synopsis takeaways are anxious attachment is when your system freaks out in a relationship and tells you that your partner doesn't love you and that the best way to get reassurance that they love you is to draw out that drama in whatever way that looks like for you. And so reminding yourself that what you can do to calm down that system and to move towards secure attachment is to set good boundaries, look deeper inside that drama cycle And then regularly check in with your partner and have deep, vulnerable conversations to shift behaviors and to shift those deep feelings and, you know, heal that trauma and whatever needs to be done. So that's anxious attachment. You're okay. I'm not okay. We're trying to get to I'm okay. You're okay. So keep going in that way and tune in. Our next episode is to be on avoidant attachment. And then the next episode is going to be on the anxious avoidant trap. So if you have a relationship with someone who is avoidant, then make sure you tune into that episode that's coming up. Thanks for listening. It's been a real pleasure. And we would like to shout out someone who has donated to the podcast. This goes out to Peyton. Hello, Peyton. You donated. And to us, that means the world, period. Peyton, Peyton, oh my Peyton. That's like captain, captain, my captain. You're this, yeah. you know, you're you are our captain now. And we appreciate all that you did for us. And also you should know that I have my hands <laughs> as if I'm praying. So this has gotten really off the rails, but we appreciate you so much. Thank you. <laughs> and for anyone else who wants to donate, our Venmo is at Thoughts Pod. We appreciate it so much. It helps us keep going. And we love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process. So please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com. And if you search thoughtspod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.